grace to you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Happy New Year! That was a test. It's not Happy New Year until next week. You got to listen to the children's sermon, guys. <laughs> yeah, next week we start Advent. Today, of course, is Christ the King Sunday, as I was talking with the children. I want to ask you a question. Why are you here this morning? Or I know there's people listening online. Why did you bother to get up and turn on the TV and get into that recliner? You woke up early. There must be a reason. You know, every Sunday, worshipers gather around the cross of Christ. But why do we do it? This morning, we're going to look at a group of people gathered at the foot of the cross. But why were they there? And what did they see? You see, for most people who gathered that first Good Friday at the foot of Jesus' cross only saw a man who they thought was a failure. A man who was not able to live up to the title over his head, the king of the Jews. People came out to see this spectacle, and they hurled insults at him, and they made fun of him. The Roman soldiers must have felt superior in every way. Here's another pretender and we're going to crucify him. We are the mighty Roman army. If you really are the powerful king like our Caesar, then come down from that cross. A common criminal convicted justly for his crimes next to Jesus, just wanted his suffering to end. If you are the Christ, the promised Savior, then end our suffering. What a failure he must have thought Jesus was that he couldn't even end their suffering on the cross. The religious rulers of all people so another so-called Messiah. They knew their Bibles, but they didn't understand the meaning behind it. They believed that the Messiah, the Savior of God, was coming, but they had blinders on their eyes because they wanted an earthly king. They wanted a king and a ruler who would deliver the Jewish people from out of the hands of the Roman conquerors. So they said to Jesus on the cross, if you really are the chosen one, prove it to us. Once and for all, come down from the cross. Seven, eight hundred years before the time 
of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah talked about what this Messiah, this King, this Savior would be like. And this is what he said. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. Think of how this all fits in with Jesus on the cross. And he was held in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain. And he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he, this Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was pierced for our sins. He was crushed under the weight of that cross for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace, we have peace when we know Jesus died for our sins, was on him. And by his wounds, we were healed. They missed all of that. But there was one person there at the crucifixion who was very different and didn't miss Jesus as king. That was the second criminal hanging next to Jesus. He knew that he was being punished justly. He said, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. And then he looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In that statement, that criminal was saying, Jesus, I know that you're king and that you have this kingdom. And when you come into it, please remember me. And then Jesus says to him, I tell you that today you will be with me in paradise. Unlike everyone else around the cross, this man did not see Jesus as a failure. He saw Jesus as the king of his life. And Jesus says, because of that, you will have paradise. So was this unlikely Jew who was born in a stable with no palace, no money, no army, no power, Really? A king? Or was that something that was just made up? When Jesus is dragged from the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, in front of the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate says to him, So, are you a king? And Jesus answered him, you say correctly. 
that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this, I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus made it very clear at his trial that he was king. Not like an earthly king, but king of the universe because of what he was going to do on that cross of Calvary. So either Jesus was truly the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, the King of the universe, or he was a liar. There's no other way. He wasn't just some good guy who lived and taught. And yet the scriptures over and over again, after his resurrection, proclaim him as king. In the book of Revelations, it says, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. King of kings, Lord of lords. He is not a king that conquered lands and people. He's not a king that forces people into his kingship. He is a king because he conquered our greatest foes, sin, death, and the devil. And he brings peace when he rules in our hearts and invites us to join him in paradise. So brothers and sisters in Christ, today, it's not so important about what the other people at the cross of Jesus thought about him. What is really important is how is Jesus king of your life? Why are you here? God has made us his believers, by Jesus' death, part of his kingdom. In Revelations, it says, to him who loves us, Jesus, and released us from our sins, Jesus, by his blood on the cross of Calvary, he has made us into a kingdom. We are a kingdom of believers with Jesus as our leader. Priest to our God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Well, how do we do that? How do we in 2020 make Jesus king of our lives? The first thing we have to do is worship him. Worship him with our whole heart and mind and soul. If we really want to improve our relationship with Jesus and love him day by day, we have to make Jesus center of our worship and praise. Not just on Sunday morning, not just because it's an obligation that we have to fulfill, 
But each and every day we have to see him as the one who is deserving of worship. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 95. It says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving. Let's shout joyfully to him in songs with instruments. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. If we really believe that he is that great king of our lives, then we need to be shouting and praising him with our whole beings. The psalm goes on to say, In whose hand are the depths of the earth? The peaks of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for it was, for it was he who made it. And his hand formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Everything we have in this world is because of that wonderful God who is willing to give up his son to take away our transgressions. So let's kneel before that God, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. You know, what we worship is what we value. Why do we value Jesus? In Romans 8, it says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I remember hearing once about a, a pastor who preached a sermon. He, he talked about how we get to heaven, there's going to be a big, oh, I'm aging myself, card catalog. Yes, oh, I see a librarian. Yay, yeah, yeah. Well, those are gone, you know. And God is going to go through all of our sins with us. And I said, that's not biblical at all. What the Bible says is when God forgives us, he forgives and forgets. As far as the east is from the west are our sins. There's no longer any condemnation. When we get to our eternal home, God is going to say, welcome in. Not because of what you or I have done, but because of the work of Jesus. You see, we are free from those chains, those chains of sin and death. We are released. That's great news. That's something we can't help but to worship and shout and sing about joyfully and thankfully. Secondly, we need to have an active prayer life. Do you know what the opposite of love is? Somebody shout it out. What's the opposite of love? Hate. You know what? I'm going to tell you that's not true. Because when you hate somebody, you still have a relationship with them. And in my many years of counseling, when I've seen couples come in, if there is apathy, it's very difficult to overcome. 
The opposite of love is apathy. You just don't care anymore. You don't do anything with that person. You don't talk with that person. And that's the hardest thing to overcome. And if we aren't in prayer with God, we become apathetic because we're not communicating with Him. We don't have a relationship with Him. And in effect, we're saying, I don't love you. You know, every time Jesus in His life had something important to do, you know what He did? He went off in prayer. If it was that important to Jesus and his ministry, how much more important should it be for you and I? Look at what happened in Matthew 14. Jesus had dismissed the disciples. And he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. He prayed all night. Later that night, he was there alone. He built that relationship with his father God. We also show our love and kingship to Jesus by serving others. That's what our lessons were about today. When they asked Jesus, how did we do it to you? He says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. What we do to others in the name of Jesus is like doing it to Jesus himself. I heard a story about a farmer years ago before Social Security and all the things that we have today. He got injured and he couldn't farm. So his church decided to have a prayer meeting for him. And they all gathered in the sanctuary and they were going to pray for him. And then there was one latecomer, a young boy. And he barged into the prayer meeting and said, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. My father couldn't make it. But he sent his prayers in a wagon. They all looked at this young man and they said, What? He said, Come see. And they walked out and there in the churchyard was a wagon filled with food. He put his prayers into action. And that's what God is calling us to do. Whenever you do it to one of the least of these. I want to get personal for a minute. <laughs> I swore I wasn't going to get emotional. <laughs> Just like my father. I know I'm coming to the end of my ministry here at Fisher's. And I want to say to you that I have been very proud to be one of you pastors for the last eight years. And when it comes to serving, this congregation is one of the best I have ever served. And I just want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for being the people you are. For loving God and loving one another. 
Can we do more? Yes. Can we do it differently? Yes. But I thank and praise you for what you've done. And I urge you to continue to do it. Continue to be the people God wants you to be each and every day. Finally, we honor our King by encouraging each other in our faith. The year 2020 has been a rough year, has it not? I know I've told some of you this before, but to me, it really summarizes the year 2020. I got this from KSBJ, one of the Christian radio stations here. 2020 is like you're ready to cross the street and you look both ways and there's no cars coming. So you start walking across the street and you get hit by an airplane. <laughs> Amen? Amen. <laughs> you know, more now than ever, we need to be that congregation that encourages and supports one another. There's lots of people suffering. And I don't think we've seen the end of all the things that are going to come about because of this virus. And we need to be the people to just build up and encourage one another. That's what St. Paul said to the Thessalonian Christians. He said, therefore, encourage one another and build up each other. And then he says, just as in fact you are doing, you're doing it, brothers and sisters, continue to do it. So making Jesus king of your lives is kind of like this. I want you to picture this. You're on a luxury cruise liner. Maybe someday we'll get back there again. Now, would you rather be a stowaway? Or would you rather be a guest? A stowaway hides from everyone has to steal food. But a guest enjoys all the activities, all the food, all the excitement. Jesus is inviting you today to be a part of the most rewarding journey with all the joys of eternity by making him king of your life. Let us pledge our allegiance to Christ in worship, in prayer, in serving one another. Let us grow together as God's beloved children, encouraging one another and building up one another to eternity. Paradise with our wonderful Lord and Savior, King of the universe. Amen.